What's good, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Stats and Mags. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera, and Mags is Michelle Majuk. What's up, Michelle? Hey, hey, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I noticed this week on Twitter that you issued a bit of a challenge. And I'm always up for a challenge, so I liked it. On Wednesday, you tweeted out, I triple dog dare you to name something that feels better than getting that stubborn popcorn kernel out of your gums. You know the feeling. Everybody knows that feeling. You've been digging at it for hours, hours. It's so hard to get out. Even brushing your teeth doesn't work half the time. So when it finally, finally get it out, it feels so good. Okay. Assuming we're taking certain things off the table. <laughs> I have come yes. up with three options. All right. Number one, the first stretch in the morning. Okay, you say that, except the other week I did that. I was sitting at my desk. I guess it was my first stretch of the morning and I just like stretched out my arms. I like something happened to my neck and I couldn't move my neck the rest of the day. I, I don't know what I did. I tweaked it. So now I'm all against the first stretch of the morning. It's not the best feeling anymore. Okay. Number two. I'm just going to throw it out there. Peeing after holding it for a long time. <laughs> now that one is a good contender. I feel you there uh, because I pee about every hour. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. So like road, I'm the worst person to take a road trip with. I need to stop every hour for real. All right. This is the last one. This is the one I'm most confident in. Turning off the alarm in the morning and going back to sleep and not snoozing. I'm talking about turning it off and going back to sleep. I never do that. So I snooze. All, I snooze all the time. But even on the weekends, I don't let myself sleep in because my brain is just crazy. And I get worried I'm missing something, even though I'm just like moving to the couch. So I don't really know what I'm missing. Sometimes on the first day of vacation, I literally will leave the alarm on just so that when it goes off, I can turn it off and go back to sleep. <laughs> it's I so love, good. I love your thought process there, but I, yeah, I haven't experienced that. But the, the peeing one is, <laughs> I, I think that might be the kernel. I don't know. They're both pretty fantastic. Wow. See, I didn't know you were going to be on board with that. I was a little nervous about throwing it in there, but okay. I'm glad that I have lived up to your challenge. The issue is I experience it every night. Because every single night in the middle of the night, I have to go to the bathroom, but I try to hold it in and just, it just go guys. You know, it's such a better sleep when you don't have to go to the bathroom. I'm still amazed at that. Like, I don't understand how that works. I've potty trained a child. Like, how does it work that once you get it, you get it and you wake up when you have to pee? Like, I don't explain <laughs> to me how that works. I have no idea because there's sometimes I'm like, I don't know how I didn't just pee the bed. Like, I'm like, I'm impressed with my own body. Yeah, it's I'll never understand the phenomenon. But nonetheless, I'm grateful for it, especially when I get the other kid potty trained and then I won't have to worry about any diapers anymore. Our challenge on this show is one that I laid out to you this week. I wanted us to come up with our best fantasy lineups using only players from the NFC West. And I thought it was going to be easy. I ran into a couple different kind of hurdles that I didn't see coming. What was your big takeaway from this whole exercise? You know, the running backs in the NFC West are not fantastic. Even the one that we'll talk about, the big one, I'm sure you have them on your list too. 
uh, Cam Akers, even he does not excite me much, but we can get into why he doesn't excite me much uh, once we dig into our lineups. It's a weird division in that, like, there's a lot of good players, but when it comes to fantasy, like, for most of the people that I put down, I was like, uh, okay. Like, it's <laughs> weird to be to have the difference between such good players, but not necessarily the best fantasy option. Yeah, th- but there are a lot of studs. Like, and I was surprised. Like, I, I forgot about so many of these great studs in this division because I was like, oh, well, like Brandon Ayuk will make it. Spoiler alert, he doesn't. So I'm like, okay, there are a lot of other good studs in this division and not they're not on the 49ers, unfortunately. Okay, so let's, do you want to start right off the bat with quarterback? Yeah, let's do it. This one, we should have the same. I know what it's, you're going to say. I know exactly what you're going to yell at me. It's Kyler Murray. There is no other option. I mean, he was a quarterback three this year. Mobile quarterbacks are an absolute cheat code. You need one. If you're going to draft one early, they have to be mobile because it's it's just not fair when you have one. 819 rushing yards last year, second among quarterbacks. I don't see that changing. Like he's going to keep rushing, uh, especially they have James Conner and Chase Edmonds. That's it. So he's going to probably be their lead rusher, possibly. Uh, He's had two top eight fantasy quarterback finishes in his two NFL careers. I expect their defense to be pretty bad, especially in their secondary. They're going to have to throw a ton. Second season with DeAndre Hopkins, they get Rondell Moore. They have AJ Green, like so many pieces. Kyler Murray is the easy, easy answer. Stats, who could you possibly take over him? So here's my two things with Murray. I think we saw two different Murrays last year, right? We saw the Murray in the first half of the year was incredible. The Murray in the second half of the year, less so. Even with the running, in his final seven full games last year, he averaged only 39 yards and three touchdowns. His passing yardage dropped off in the second half of the year as well. I'm not in – I get it. Like, quarterback rushing is the path to victory. But I went with Matthew Stafford with the Rams, and it's only because I fully believe that he is going to go nuts with Sean McVay, right? Like, he's got a better head coach than he's ever had in his career, better wide receivers than he's ever had in his career, and he's a hell of a lot better thrower with Jared than Jared Goff, and we've seen Goff put up decent numbers at times with the Rams. I think he could go for an Aaron Rodgers, like, 48-touchdown year this year. That's what he'll have to do because he doesn't have the mobile ability. Like, if Trey Lance starts 15, 14 games, I think he outscores Matthew Stafford because of his rushing ability. So, yes, he could be Aaron Rodgers, I guess, but he's going to have to throw for that many touchdowns. And that's not really Stafford's game that we've seen yet, but maybe with Sean McVay. But we have to remember, Kyler Murray last year, he got hurt, and that's when he kind of struggled. He played through it, but... That's when he kind of sucked. Right. He got hurt because he's like 5'5", five, five, and he gets tossed yeah. around out there like a small child sometimes. We saw it against Seattle. He took a big hit, and he was kind of never the same after that. I look, at Staff- I look at Stafford. I say, okay, his two biggest touchdown seasons were when he threw 41 touchdowns. And who was his offensive coordinator? Scott Linehan. His second biggest was 32 touchdowns with Jim Bob Cooter, which to me says when he has a competent person – calling plays for him, he can produce at incredible levels. And I have a lot of faith in Sean McVay that when you put those two together, that's the Matthew Stafford we're going to see much closer to that guy than the guy we've seen most of the time in Detroit. Although I think you you said it nicely. It's a big risk because he has to hit that home run. Otherwise, Kyler's the better pick. 
So do you think Stafford could be an MVP candidate next year? 100%. Yep. I, he's a definite dark horse candidate for me. Part of winning MVP is like narrative. He's got the narrative like, oh, the guy who was in a dumpster fire of an organization finally gets his shot with a good team and a good coach. And look at all they gave up to get him. And he's lighting it up. I think he's got a great story. I would definitely put Stafford in my handful of uh, MVP contenders. I like it. Did you give any consideration to Russell Wilson? I would have chosen him over Matthew Stafford, but no, Russell Wilson's too inconsistent. Like he's going to win you weeks, big weeks, but then other games, you know, they won't let him pass the ball and then you get nothing. So no, I don't, I don't like drafting Russell Wilson. He always, his cost is always high and then he just loses you too many weeks. I mean, there were weeks last year. The first half of the season, he was like QB1. He was unstoppable. And then Pete took the ball out of his hands, and I think he only averaged like 200 yards passing per game the second half of the year. It was like a massive drop-off. Do you think Pete Carroll is a good coach? Uh, in real life? Um, no. Well, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to say no. He's not bad by any stretch. Do I think he's like elite? No, I don't. I don't think he's that great he's a motivational coach he always always screws up situational football we saw him screwed up in the super bowl we saw him screwed up in that week 17 game against the 49ers don't forget they were on the one yard line and they were going to run it in with marshawn lynch to end the game and then they get a delay of game penalty and pushed him back and that's why they had to throw i don't like pete situationally he's not a bad head coach but i don't think he's as good as his record i'll say that And I just don't get how you can keep taking the ball out of your best player's hands. Like, why don't you want to use Russell Wilson? Like, A, you're paying him a lot of money, and he's really, really good, and he is your MVP of the team, so use him. Because he's Pete Carroll, he's a zillion years old, and he grew up and came into, you know, his most success with the run the ball, don't turn it over, play really good defense. Like that is the formula that has worked for him in his career. He just, it's almost like now he doesn't realize that he doesn't have the Legion of Boom defense anymore. Yeah. And it's almost like the best teams in the NFL right now are those that pass all the time. Imagine that. Who would have thunk it? Yeah. (laughs) He's not the coach of your NFC West fantasy team. Is that what you're saying? He is not. All right, so we disagree on quarterback. Uh, RB1, who did you have? So I'm going with Chris Carson, actually, a lot because what we just mentioned, Pete Carroll wants to get the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands. I don't know why, but Chris Carson's actually a really, really good running back when he's on the field. Like last year is the first year he was banged up pretty much the entire season. He couldn't really stay on the field much. Uh, But when he was on the field, he averaged 15.7 fantasy points per game. That was 11th amongst Running backs, when he plays, he's fantastic. In 2018 and 2019, both seasons, he had over 1,100 rushing yards. He's used in the passing game. I mean, he had 46 targets last year, only played 12 games, and a couple of those he didn't even really play. So they will use him there. He's great on the ground. I do think if he stays healthy, he's a top 12 running back, and his price right now is so fantastic. Rashad Penny just clearly can't stay healthy. He had to have another procedure, like, Come on, dude. I feel so bad for him because I really liked him coming out of school. Carlos Hyde's gone. This backfield is Chris Carson's and Chris Carson's only. And this is going to sound dumb and obvious, but I just want to say it out here. Like, I like guys that score touchdowns, and Chris Mm -hmm. Carson has scored nine touchdowns three years in a row. Consistent production and 
especially near the end zone. Chris Carson, I, I agree with you there. I have no problem going with him. The other running back I liked, and you mentioned him earlier, was Cam Akers from the Rams. Um, Sean McVay, I don't want to call him a running coach, but he kind of is a running coach. Like his whole system orbits around the run and the play action off of the run. Over the past four years, so basically the Sean McVay era, the Rams have averaged 20 rushing touchdowns a season. Somebody's got to be getting those those touchdowns, and Cam Akers is the prime candidate to get those carries in L.A. You would think so. I mean, last year it was Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson who were much better around the goal line, but now Malcolm Brown is gone. Mm -hmm. I put Cam Akers down because he clearly, in this division – he's likely to see the most touches. But saying that, I don't like his draft cost at all because even with the touches last year, he was not very great for fantasy. He scored 0.65 points per touch last season. That's only better than Frank Gore. Frank Gore is the only person he beat out in fantasy points per touch last season. He was highly, highly inefficient with his touches. Like, He scored a 21-point game. That's his really only big game of the year. But he needed 31 touches to do that. And when you have 31 touches, you should score more than 21 points. You just should. He had a 25-touch game and scored 10 PPR points. And that's almost impossible. Like I feel like I scored 10 PPR points with 25 touches. And they were running at an insane rate at the end of last year with Jared Goff just completely struggling. They had no confidence in him at all. Then he hurt his thumb. It was just like, we're just going to hand it off and try to get through the season, and we're going to move on from Jared Goff. They brought in Matthew Stafford for a reason, because I think Sean McVay, unlike Pete Carroll, is smart. And he says, okay, the (laughs) best offenses right now, pass, 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 pass. So I think they're going to pass a ton. The only way Cam Akers is worth his cost is if he's involved in the passing game which he could be, but he only had 14 targets last year. So we'll see. I'm a big fan of Daryl Henderson. I still think Cam Akers is clearly the lead back, but Daryl Henderson will take more snaps than I think people are giving him credit for. There are a ton of people listening to this right now that are screaming about Raheem Mostert and the 49ers. They love to run the ball. Raheem Mostert is a... He's the type of guy that he can flat out win you weeks by himself. Mm -hmm. He's going to have those weeks Unfortunately, he's also going to have weeks where he doesn't do anything. Where did Raheem Mostert enter into the thought process for you? Didn't even, his name didn't even come up in my brain. What? <laughs> I, would, I would have probably went Trey Sermon over him. Just for, I th- Raheem Mostert will probably see more snaps, possibly. We'll see. But he's not going to be in near the goal line. It's going to be Trey Sermon. And if you're not getting, you know, the 49ers don't pass to the running backs all the time. So if you're not getting a ton of targets and you're not getting the goal line work, you're really just depending on those big breakaway plays. So I I would rather take Trey Sermon than Raheem Mostert. But Mostert's great when he's on the field. Like he's a better NFL player than he is for fantasy. Yes. The problem is with the 49ers, they spread the ball around in their backfield a lot, especially because Raheem Mostert has had trouble staying healthy. Of the 18 running backs that had at least 100 carries last year and averaged more than 4.6 yards per carry, the Niners had three of them. So that shows you that they can run the ball, but they can do it with anybody. So nobody gets the bulk of the carries. And I agree with you. Maybe I don't know if I would draft Trey Sermon, but like I'm keeping an eye on him because I agree, Mostert's going to go down, and then I think 
if Moser does go down, I think Sermon becomes a very valuable pickup because I do think he could get the, the majority of the carries there, especially because Jeff Wilson is already hurt. He's going to be out for half the year. Maybe, you know, Wayne Gallman or Elijah Mitchell, who they drafted late, like somebody else will steal a couple of carries away. But I think Sermon, if he got in there, would be the bell cow. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we probably just have to expect at this point that Raheem Mostert's not going to make it through a full season. So again, that's, I just don't want to deal with that because there's times where he'll start a game and you're like, yay, he's in, he's making big plays. And then it's like, oh, he's out. Great. I had him for a, a quarter. So he's just, he's just not a fun guy to have on your roster. He's a guy, depending on the week, that I would love to put in a flex position. And maybe you roll the dice a little bit and hope that he gives you one of those massive, massive weeks. He's not a guy like if if you're depending on him as RB1 or RB2 to be there and produce and carry you every week, he's just not that guy. But if you can pick your spots with him, he could be a huge asset. Oh, yeah, for sure. So those are the two running backs. Was there any other running back you considered? Because maybe Chase Edmonds in Arizona. You know, I would consider James Conner, but not over Cam Akers or Chris Carson, like not close. But I do think James Conner, like Kenyon Drake, you saw last year, he had over a thousand scrimmage yards. He had 10 scrimmage touchdowns where James Conner is pretty decent is around the goal line. Like he can get in and carry or carry in Johnson. I don't know what, why his name just popped up. Kenyon Drake did see a lot of opportunities there. This offense is going to score a lot of touchdowns. It's going to be plenty of opportunity. So I do think James Conner can be a decent uh, running back to draft. And where he's going in drafts, he's kind of the last one available where you actually can feel okay with him as your running back too on your roster. So I will probably have a, a decent amount of James Conner on my teams. But he has burned me the last couple of years because I keep picking him because of my Steelers fandom. <laughs> he keeps disappointing me. Yeah, don't worry. You got a new toy at running back uh, if you're a Steelers fan. Oh, yeah, fan we do. Year. Najee, Najee, top five running back. Oh, God. Well, I'm glad to see your fandom hasn't overtaken your <laughs> analyst hat. Uh, let's take a break now. We've done quarterbacks and running backs. We'll do wide receivers, tight end. And I even want to do kicker. So I hope you got somebody picked out, Michelle. There's I have a, a name. I don't have much uh, analysis on kickers. Kickers uh, are not allowed in fantasy football. Study up during the break. We'll be back. <laughs> We are halfway through our NFC West fantasy lineup. We have quarterbacks and running backs done. Now it is on to the fun part, at least for me, of this, because I think the NFC West has some um, interesting fantasy candidates when it comes to wide receiver. I think the clear and obvious choice for wide receiver one, it's got to be DeAndre Hopkins in Arizona, right? The guy is an absolute monster. He seemingly had no issues coming from Houston Seemed to find a connection with Kyler pretty quickly. And uh, I, to me, he's the clear-cut choice for wide receiver one. No, oh, 100%. I was worried about him last year. I'm not going to lie. Like I was kind of avoiding drafting him at his cost because you didn't know what he was going to be like once he went from Deshaun Watson to Kyler Murray, even though Hawkins been pretty great throughout his career with some bad quarterbacks. But yeah, wide receiver four last season, first season in Arizona. He's been a top five fantasy wide receiver for four straight seasons. Uh, he gets targeted like crazy, 29% target share last year, second among wide receivers. So uh, yeah, second season with Kyler Murray, the connection should even be better. I'm not worried about the addition of AJ Green or Ronda Moore. Like they're helpful for the team and it might even help Hopkins get more open, but I'm not worried they're going to steal too many targets. And he did that last year. He's a 
top five wide receiver with only scoring six receiving touchdowns, which was his lowest since 2016. So that should increase as well. Like Hopkins can do it in the end zone. That's not an issue. So I'm excited to see what he can do this season. He's a monster. Like everything you just laid out over the last three years, he has more than 300 receiving yards than anybody else in the league. And if there's anything that comes from another year with Kyler Murray, maybe it is a better connection around the goal line. So maybe we do start to see some of that scoring tick back up to the nine, 10, 11 touchdowns that we're kind of used to seeing from him in the past. Yeah. And I would not be surprised at all if he puts together a a double digit touchdown season. We've seen plenty of those seasons from him before. uh, And like I said, for a wide receiver to go into a new offense and do what he did, like it doesn't normally happen. I know he got it out of Stephon Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins last year, but that's not usual. Usually the first year with a new quarterback, with a new team, it's rough. So for the fact that those two could do it is really impressive. I was super worried actually about Diggs in Buffalo because I was oh, yeah. like, Josh Allen has had accuracy issues there. I don't know if that's going to work. And they shut me up because Diggs was fantastic and Allen improved his accuracy by like 12% or something. So it shows what I know. No, everyone was fading Stefan Diggs. You were not the only one. We were all worried about that. Uh, and also, Stefan Diggs was never like this elite fantasy wide receiver before going to Buffalo. So that step both of them took last year was pretty insane. Now we did not compare lists before we started recording, but if I had to choose, I'm going to say that your wide receiver two comes from the Los Angeles Rams. Am I right? I do have a flex player from there, but my wide receiver two actually is DK Metcalf. It's close, but I would go DK Metcalf just because his game's, his big games are so insane. Now, last year at the end of the year, we did see like he he had almost all of his receptions and touchdowns like the first half of the season. And it kind of really fell off because they took the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands for no reason. But he still put up 1,300 receiving yards and 10 touchdowns. That's in his second season. Like That's, that's very, very impressive. He had 271 fantasy points last year. He was the wide receiver seven. 111 air yards per game he averaged last year that was third among wide receivers uh and he had 14 end zone targets which and he's done that the last two seasons both seasons in the nfl he's had more than 14 end zone targets only mike evans and dk metcalf have done that in the last two seasons so i do expect metcalf to still be that touchdown guy we know he is a beast of a man like is there a more beastly man in the nfl Aaron Donald and DK Metcalf. Yeah, I mean, it's he's right there for sure. Uh, you mentioned the second half struggles. He really, he really did. He only caught 40 passes for 515 yards and two touchdowns in the second half of the year last year. That's the scary thing. Like you said with Wilson, sometimes they just stop throwing the ball and there's nothing Metcalf can do about that. Um, the Seahawks do have a new offensive coordinator this year, though. Shane Waldron's coming over from the Rams. So you would think he's a McVay person, you know, McVay disciple, but he still he still works under Pete Carroll. So we don't know for sure, you know, how aggressive he's going to be. But w- does that enter into your rankings at all? Because when you have a new coordinator, you kind of don't know what to expect yet. Yeah, but it's almost like any other coordinator is better than what we saw at the end of last season. So I'm willing to take that chance. I do just think DK Metcalf is a special talent. So I'm going to bet on talent. 
and hope that he can be a little bit more consistent. With Tyreek Hill for the beginning of his career, we saw a lot of inconsistencies. Like he would end with a, a lot of points and a lot of yards, uh, but it was boom games and then bust games. But then last year we saw that really even out and he was pretty consistent um, every week. So I hope we can get that out of DK Metcalf as he continues on with his career and just keeps growing. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett were the only set of teammates in the league last year to each have over 10 guys. And again, I know it sounds dumb, but I like guys that score touchdowns. Yeah. That's a pretty good choice for number two. I had to say, I, I really thought you were going to go with Woods or Cup in LA. What was the difference there? What separated Metcalf from those guys? So Cooper Cup is my wide receiver three or my flex play. I went with him. And it's more just Cooper Cup's average depth of target last year was so low. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what worries me. But I do think it increases. So I Cooper Cup might be the safer play from week to week, but he doesn't have the same ceiling. So I was just going with ceiling there. But Cooper Cup, I mean, this is why he's my flex. He was the wide receiver four in 2019. That was just one season ago. Last season, he dropped down to the wide receiver 26 in points per game because he only scored three touchdowns and he only averaged 10.6 yards per reception. But I do think both of those things come back up to his average because we keep bringing up Jared Goff was just so incredibly bad. But when you're talking about air yards by quarterbacks, Goff averaged only 6.5 air yards per attempt, which was 32nd in the NFL. And now they're going to Matthew Stafford, who averaged 8.7 air yards per attempt. That was fifth highest in the NFL. So I expect Cooper Cup's yards per reception to increase. His league average before last season was around 13 yards per reception. So that should come up right there, and his yardage should instantly get better. And then touchdowns, he doesn't normally struggle at scoring touchdowns he had 10 receiving touchdowns in 2019 he was on pace for 12 in 2018 before he got injured so I do also believe his touchdowns will increase with Matthew Stafford there so I'm a big fan of Cooper Cup I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's a top 12 wide receiver I just think DK Metcalf ceiling is like top three wide receiver if everything works for him so that's why I went with Metcalf I like wide receivers that can still produce with bad quarterbacks. You mentioned that DeAndre Hopkins has a history of doing that, and the Rams guys have a history of doing it too. Woods and Cup have had 90-plus catches two years in a row. They're the only set of teammates that can say that. You put them with Matthew Stafford now and an aggressive Sean McVay, and I think that they are – I think you can minimum count on them to return to their previous levels, if not exceed what they had done in the past. And I know it's kind of hard to judge a team with a new quarterback like that affects literally every other position on the offense from a fantasy perspective. But I don't know how you can't look at that as an upgrade from golf to Stafford. So I think the Rams receivers, like if you can't get a DK Metcalf, even if it's Robert Woods, like I feel like Robert Woods is not spectacular, but he just puts up numbers every single week. And if I'm looking at a flex or a wide receiver, too, that's exactly what I want. Yeah, for some reason, I'm just not... I can't get myself into Robert Woods. His That's what I mean. Week, yeah, his every week ceiling is just not high enough for me. Like I would definitely, and he doesn't go late enough. Like people really like Robert Woods. They really do. He, but he's like a fifth, sixth rounder. And there's just other guys I'd prefer there that have higher ceilings. But he's, a, he's a, like a really good wide receiver to flex play because you know he's going to get you 10 points at least. So he's just super, super safe. So I don't mind it. I just can't get myself on the Robert Woods train. 
He does get some runs too, which I like. He gets a little bit of love on the ground, which, you know, could bring a little bit of added value there that Cup usually doesn't get. Um, was there any other receiver on the Cardinals that you liked or why not Brandon Ayuk or Debo Samuel? So Debo's out for me. His average depth of target is way, way, way too low. And for his depth of target to be that low, you need 140, 150 targets at least to be a consistent fantasy player. And I don't see that happening for Debo. I don't think he even gets close to the amount of targets. So I want nothing to do with Debo and fantasy. Love him as an NFL uh, player and a skill set. Don't like him for fantasy. Brandon Ayuk, I would love I would love him. He just didn't make the top three. That's all he would be fourth. What he did last year as a rookie, averaging f- over 15 points per game is something that most players do not do, the group of players that did. It was like OBJ, Michael Thomas, uh, Justin Jefferson, but like that's really it. So he's in a nice group of players who really succeeded in the rookie season, and then they continued that success later on in their career. I think Brandon Ayuk's going to have a great, Great career and probably a great season. My biggest worry with him, why I went with the other guys, is we don't know the connection between Trey Lance and him yet. We don't know how that offense is going to work with Trey Lance, how much they're going to throw. Uh, So that was the only thing that set those guys uh, ahead of Ayuk. Right. If you could get Ayuk late in the draft, you love it because you think he's going to probably, you know, put up decent numbers regardless of who the quarterback is. And he has the potential to put up massive numbers if Trey Lance is really good and he has a good connection with him. And I feel like that's almost in a lot of ways how you can win your league. If you get lucky on a couple of late round picks that have just incredible years, like one year I won my league is because it was the Cam Newton MVP year. And I got Cam Newton like way, way late in the draft. He was, everybody had already chosen their quarterback and their backup. And then I just sort of took Cam because I he was left. And then he ended up having the MVP year. So I feel like if you can hit on a couple guys like that late, that's how you can really do some damage. And you could be one of those guys. I will say the fantasy fantasy players are smart. So they know Brandon Ayuk is good. And he is like a fifth, sixth rounder, probably fifth. So people are really high on him. Wow. Like, I think you're underestimating how what a great wide receiver you have on your team. But people are pretty high on him. So he's going, he's going around where Cooper Cup is going. Uh Pretty much the same average draft position. This is another thing to think about. And I was blown away when I saw this in the Kyle Shanahan era, the 49ers are minus 35 in turnover ratio. That is the worst in the league over Kyle Shanahan's tenure. Think of all the drives and opportunities that Iuke and other 49ers players are not getting because the damn quarterbacks keep throwing the ball to the other team. The opportunities that George Kittle has not been getting, and but he's going to get this year, and he's going to have the best season of his career. Yes, Are, he is my tight end, obviously. He has to also be your tight end. There's no other option. Uh, he's been a top three tight end in points per game for each of the last three seasons. Yes, he missed eight games last year, and I feel like people are forgetting how dominant he is. Even in those eight games played, he was averaging 15.6 fantasy points per game only behind Kelsey and Darren Waller. And I've already brought up this stat before, but he's averaging 75-plus receiving yards per game in three straight seasons. Only five players have done that. Him, Travis Kelsey, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, and Julio Jones. You want Kelsey, you want Adams, you want Hopkins, and you want Julio Jones on your fantasy team. Why would you not want one of them and be able to plug them into your tight end spot? 
That's amazing. So George Kittle is clearly the guy here. And he's been doing all of this without scoring touchdowns. That's what's crazy is he's been a top three tight end three seasons in a row without scoring touchdowns. Just imagine if he has a double digit touchdown year, he might even be able to beat out Travis Kelsey if that happens. And with Trey Lance, I do think they are better around the goal line. That is the issue with Kittle. He has only 12 touchdowns in his last 38 games. He has never scored more than five touchdowns in a single season. So forget double digit touchdown, Michelle. Can we get to seven or nine? Like, I mean, to, for him to get double-digit touchdowns, he is going to have to double his career high in touchdown catches, which is insane when you think about because, like you laid out, he's really, really good. Over his last 16 games, he's got 93 catches for over 1,100 yards, which is great. It's just only four touchdowns in that same time frame. But in terms of the NFC West, there really is no – competition. I mean, the Cardinals do a good job of getting the ball to their tight end. I think their tight ends averaged over 13 yards a catch last year, but it's all different people. It's all spread around. The Rams have flashed a tight end with Gerald Everett. There was like a a little run there where Gerald Everett was like a monster, but they never really consistently got it going there. And Seattle, kind of the same thing. I like Will Disley a lot, uh, but he's not a consistent option for any other team in the NFC West. Yeah, this might be the worst division. Like, if George Kittle wasn't as dominant as he was, like, those three teams don't really have a tight end. Gerald Everett, Tyler Higby, and who is, like, the Cardinals tight end, Dan Arnold left to go to the Panthers. So is it Max Williams or something? Like, I don't even know who their tight end is right now. Uh, There is no tight end competition, which is very nice for your linebackers. Yes, look, uh, one less thing for them to worry about. Yeah, Max Williams and Daryl Daniels. How do you like that? Yeah, I don't even know who Daryl Daniels is. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. I've never heard of that name in my life. Uh, but yeah, at least I got Max Williams right. All right, well, now we have come to my favorite part of the fantasy lineup, the kicker. And I know you have great disdain for kickers. You told me in the break that you hate all kickers. You don't think they're real football players. And if you ever saw one, you would punch them in the face. Oh my goodness. I said, I do not like playing with kickers in fantasy football, but uh, if I had to go with one, I guess it's Jason Myers from Seattle. Uh, just because of the offense. And I do believe that they could struggle to get into the end zone uh, with the way Pete Carroll just I don't know the way he works. So they'll be kicking field goals often. And he's the only one that even scored in the top 12 last year for fantasy points. I did not do a lot of work into this. So that's why I sound so (laughs) like, man, I don't know. Uh, I would go with Jason Myers though, but I'm more interested to hear who you want because you actually like kickers in fantasy. I do like kickers score points. I I know people hate their guts, but they do score points and they score (laughs) a lot of points. Jason Myers, by the way, converted all 24 of his field goals last season. The problem with him, He can't hit the extra point. He has converted only 89% of his extra points since they moved him back. That's the worst in the league. I don't know what is going on with these kickers, but sometimes they just get it in their head and they whiff on the extra point. And it drives me nuts as a fantasy owner. I'm sitting there screaming at the TV. The fact that you actually looked up these kicker stats makes me very proud. Uh, I did not. <laughs> I didn't even look. I. This is how much I do not like kickers. When you put this here, when you said we're going to do a fantasy lineup, I almost said I'll only do it if you don't include kickers. <laughs> <laughs> you are. You're kind of a fantasy snob a little bit there. I like it. We we all have our likes and dislikes. I know a lot of people are getting rid of the kickers and defense, and so you're not going to lower yourself to play in a league with a kicker. I want to know who's your who's your kicker in this division. 
Well, I know who it's not. I know it's not Robbie Gold. And I'm like, this is the, my paranoia taking over. I think this could be a huge issue for the 49ers. Robbie Gold, people aren't paying attention. He stinks now. He's not any good. He's ancient. He's 39 years old. He's the oldest kicker in the league. And he's hit only 78% of his field goals over the last two years. That's hideously bad. And the Niners just signed him to a two-year deal. So it's not even a one-year problem. It's a multi-year problem. And he's hit only two of eight from 50-plus, which if you play in a league like me, you get six points for a 50-yard field goal. I love that rule. He's not the guy you want. And that could be a huge issue for the 49ers. It's funny that you get more points for the 50-yard field goal because that's everyone's biggest issue with kickers is that they're so unpredictable. And it's like, who's going to get the chance at 40 and 50? And if your guy hits a couple five or 50-yard field goals, it's like, you know, you can win a game because of your kicker, which is just, it's just too sporadic. But then you're going the extra mile, giving them even more points. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Our league, I play in a crazy league. So we do double points for that. Every touchdown 50 yards or more is double points, okay. which is which makes Tyreek Hill like you have to get Tyreek Hill because all that dude does is score double digit touchdowns. I once had Heinz Ward and Randall L on the same team and they threw each other a 50 yard touchdown pass. <laughs> that one play won me my entire week. That's but amazing. If That's I had to- fun. That's a fun league. Yeah, it's you know, there's all sorts of crazy rules you can do. But if I had to go with a kicker, if you're looking at one, uh, I'll go with Matt Gay from the Rams. Uh, he converted 18 of 20 last year, all 20 of his extra points. And again, I think that offense is going to be insane. I'm going to go with the Rams. I know that's kind of boring, and I've beaten that point to death this week. But if you're picking kickers, you got to pick kickers on teams that are going to score a lot of points, which I think the Rams are going to do. There's not a lot of good kickers in the NFC West. No, there really isn't. In fact, there's not a ton of great kickers around the league. I, I pretty That's much true. go all out for Justin Tucker. And if I can't get yeah. Justin Tucker, then I wait. Will Lutz is pretty good. That uh, Yo, how do you say his name uh, from Yo- Atlanta? Oh, yeah. Um, Youngway Koo, is that how you say Koo. it? Um, yeah, yeah. Koo. Yeah, Koo, not Yo. Uh, he He's really good as well. So any of those guys, if you're drafting. The thing is, people will take Justin Tucker in like the 10th round. Like, yeah, you no. don't want to... You don't want to take a kicker early. No, that's not. We have one guy in my league that always tries to take a kicker early. This is the crazy part about that league, and I don't know no one cares about your fantasy league. We do a dynasty league, so we have, you know, you keep your rosters. The guy went to the bathroom, and his pick came up, and he got Patrick Mahomes because it was the it was the first year Mahomes was going to be a starter. So he came back from the bathroom and was like, who did I take? And he was mad that it was Patrick Mahomes because he oh didn't even know who he was. Goodness. And now he's got him forever. Well, listen to this. My wife, Kate, she drafted Patrick Mahomes the, that 2018 year before mm-hmm. we ever got to see him as a full-time starter and dropped him for a <sighs> kicker before oh! week one because she needed to pick up a kicker. So she was like, okay, I'll drop Patrick Mahomes because she had some other quarterback. I don't even know. Yeah. And then he uh, went off. So that, that hurt her soul. Please tell me that there is a group text where every time <laughs> Patrick Mahomes does something good, you're dropping that in there. You have to, you can't ever let her live that down. I know. I'm going to have to bring that up to her again. That season, we really let her have it, but we've been nice as of late. Oh, my God. You're a lot nicer than I am. I have a friend, a huge Yankee fan friend, who 
was at the game where Derek Jeter dove into the stands and caught the ball and got all bloody, but he left that game before that happened. Any time any great play happens, somebody hits the group text. Man, that would have been great to see if you were there, right? Oh, man. Can you imagine if you were in the stadium for a great moment, but then you left early before it happened? It happens every time. This is like (laughs) 15 years ago now. We still never let him hear the end of it. That's amazing. What good are friends if they don't remind you of your biggest mistakes in life? I mean, really? A hundred percent. I will say I don't love kickers, but I do really love playing with defense. Were you a homer here? Did you pick the 49ers for your defense? (sighs) So... The 49ers are such a huge risk because they still had a top five defense last year in terms of yards allowed, even though everybody was out. And if if Verrett can stay healthy and Bosa can stay healthy, that defense goes from an okay defense to an incredible defense. So if you want to roll the dice a little bit, I could see going with the 49ers. But I think if I had to pick one, a safer bet is probably the Rams defense. They did lose a lot of pieces though in the yes. secondary and then they lost their defensive coordinator so i don't think people people should be more worried about what the rams will look like on defense when i'm drafting a defense it's all about the beginning schedule because i'm going to stream the position anyways unless mm-hmm. i lock into this this dominant fantasy defense but so i'm just looking at the first couple games but the rams and the 49ers they both get two quarterbacks that you want a defense against it's the rams get to play against andy dalton most likely and carson wentz so it's like, ooh, that's yummy. And the 49ers get to play against Jared Goff and Jalen Hurts, who I do really like, but still he makes mistakes. And then potentially Jordan Love in the third week if Aaron Rodgers does not play. And with Nick Bosa back, I, I do believe this can be one of the top defenses. They should get more sacks. So I would probably go with the 49ers here, but I don't think the Rams are a bad choice either. I could see... Uh, fantasy drafters, though, selecting them a little bit earlier than I'm ready to take a defense just because of how good they were last year. So I'd much rather just wait and take the 49ers. What's the earliest round you'd pick a defense? Um, I normally wait till like the second to last round and then I go kicker last round. But I, I you know, th- 12, 13 round, I, it's okay to go grab one if you think they're going to be elite. But again, like I'm not drafting them to stay in my lineup all year. I normally switch them out with whoever you know, the, their opponent is that week. And I just want to say this, not that I don't think anyone is taking the Seahawks defense, but I see people writing this and it drives me nuts how all the Seahawks defenses, they really improved the second half of the year. And let's give them a lot of credit. No, they didn't. They played a bunch of tomato cans at quarterback. Here's who the Seahawks played the last seven games of 2020. CJ Beathard, Dwayne Haskins, Colt McCoy, Sam Darnold, John Wolford, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz. That is a bag of cats at quarterback. Do not buy into that. The Seahawks defense still sucks. And anyone that says otherwise is just flat wrong. And this is why you stream defenses. Because when a defense, it doesn't really matter how good they are, like Seattle, they're going up against these terrible quarterbacks, you're going to get fantasy points. So go grab them. And no matter how elite a defense is, if they're going against Patrick Mahomes, you don't want them. So, and... Having two defenses on your roster is kind of silly as well. It's hurting your depth. So you're going to then either have to decide to drop this elite defense to not have to play against a Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or take up that depth with with Schertz as well. So that's why I'm all for waiting to draft your defense and just going off of uh, matchups. And that's my favorite way to play it. 
totally agree with you. Now you're going to have me streaming defenses because I'm going to be honest, I never have up until this year, but you've laid it out there pretty plainly and you're right. There's no point in sticking with one defense. It's not like other positions and there's always going to be teams that have injured quarterbacks or games. I mean, especially last year, the Broncos went into a game with no quarterback. That's the defense you want, right? You want that whoever's playing the Broncos, which I think was the saints at that point, but there's always weird kind of crazy situations that pop up like that, that you should be able to take advantage of much like me when I was able to start Taysom Hill as a tight end, even though he was playing quarterback for the saints last year. Oh, and it's just a fun way to look at it, too. And then once you get closer to the end of the season, when you don't need the depth as much because people have gotten through their bye weeks or you know who your starting lineup is pretty, you know you know who you're plugging in every week, then you can start looking ahead like, ooh, I really want this matchup. I don't want to fight with people on waivers. Let me go pick up them now because I see this nice stretch of games. It's just a fun little game to play on the waivers throughout the season. Couldn't you do that with kickers as well? No, because kickers, it doesn't. there's no rhyme or reason. You never know which team will happen to be stopped on third and two at the 50 yard line and they kick it. Like there's, there's no way to depend, like to predict what they're going to do unless you have a Justin Tucker or Will Lutz that always scores points, but everyone else is so random. What you really want is you want an offense. that's good. Not great. Like Seattle is a terrible team to draft the kicker because Russell Wilson is really good at getting the ball in the end zone. When they get into the red zone, you want a team like the 49ers, quite honestly, who have no problem moving between the twenties and then totally bogged down when they get in the red area. It's just that the guy kicking for the 49ers is Robbie gold and he sucks right now. So there you have to scratch them off the list. You can scratch this episode of stats and mags off the list. Cause we are done. We remind you, please rate review and follow the Niners nation podcast network. You'll get this show. You will get every show that we do stats and eggs. Our little morning updates going to be coming back pretty soon. Once we get closer to training camp. So you'll get that as well. If you have a question for us, a fantasy question, especially leave it in your review and we will answer it. Michelle, I thank you very much. I don't know what your weekend plans are, but I hope they are fantastic. They're pretty chill, but it's sunny in Pittsburgh for once. So maybe I'll I'll get a little tan, which would be nice. Ooh, not bad. All right. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Bye, y'all.